Purchase with Words is brought to you by Audible. Try Audible free for 30 days and download any audiobook for free. For your free trial, go to www.adventureswithwords.com forward slash audible. Hello and welcome to Adventures with Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And this week's another of our book club discussions, where we're talking about The Snow Child by Eowyn Ivy. Now this is um, Eowyn's first novel, and in it she updates a Russian fairy tale set in Alaska in the 1920s. Jack and Mabel are a couple who've decided to move to Alaska um, a long, long way away from their home to start a new life. Uh, we discover that's because they've actually lost uh, their baby a number of years previously. I'm not going to say any more yet, but just to say, if you haven't read the book or, or listened to it or, or whatever, uh, this podcast is going to be absolutely full of spoilers because I think in order to discuss all the bits that we thought were significant, we are going to have to give away some important uh, bits of the story. So if you uh, want to listen, but you haven't read the book, you might want to press pause now and, and come back to it after you've read The Snow Child. If you don't know the scores... Look away now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, Jack and Mabel have moved to Alaska. Then um, the the kind of first really interesting bit, I guess, is that uh, they're expecting winter to come, and, and Mabel particularly is is dreading it. But one evening, there's a snowstorm, and a, a sort of strange mood catches them, and uh, they end up outside throwing snowballs at each other. And they decide to build a snowman, which then turns into a, a snow girl. And they sort of put a, a scarf and, and so on on it and and then go in for the evening. Well, I think straight away that tells you something about them. Everyone builds snowmen, snowman, but the fact that it they decide or possibly Mabel leads the way that they want to do a small child, I think that tells you quite a bit about their relationship and their past and how they got to this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it shows you their, their preoccupation, just despite the fact that it was a few years ago when they lost their baby. You know, that's that's still the thing that certainly is uppermost in Mabel's mind. And, you know, I think, you know, we were discussing uh, before the recording that sort of maybe they, they both approach the situation in quite a different way, but certainly obviously is something that, that Jack still does think about. Hmm. So then they, they get up the next morning and there's no sign of the, the snow child, the, the snow girl. But Jack does see some strange little footprints running away from their yard where the snow girl was into the forest. Now, that's very strange. Why, you know, why would there be these little footprints? He can't see where they've come from. Um, all he knows is they disappear into the wood. It doesn't look like she's even wearing... Um, proper shoes so he starts wondering where is this child he starts worrying about this child who might be out there and um, then Mabel thinks that she might be able to see a, a child she sort of catches glimpses and they both start wondering perhaps there's a little child out there they also and, spot uh, the fox as well don't they yes and yeah. they, they see a, a sort of fox darting around the sort of red fox and all this reminds Mabel of um, a fairy tale that she used to read when she was little and she had actually digs out a, a copy of the a sort of book of fairy tales called The Snow Child, uh, which is a sort of traditional Russian fairy tale. And um, she's got the, the kind of Russian um, version of it. She, she realises that actually she just used to look at the pictures, but there's also this uh, the sort of Arthur Ransom version, which is actually in the back of the book, which tells the story as well. And she realises that, that what is happening to her seems to be a version of this fairy tale where they've been somehow granted a child 
except that the end of the fairy fairy tale is very sad in that the the couple in the fairy tale ends up losing the child because they don't care enough about her. I think it's important to talk about how the book itself actually opens. This isn't a spoiler. It's the first chapter and we see Mabel, who's, I guess it's safe to say, suffering from depression. She goes out onto the ice and she's basically hoping that the ice will break beneath her and she'll Mm -hmm. die. And it, it doesn't succeed. So she ends up having to. She goes back yeah. home. Um, she serves dinner for Jack, and I think she's uh, she's isn't she right? She's waiting for him to ask sort of what she's done that yeah. day, or but it's nothing's really resolved. So straight away we know that Mabel is, is essentially suffering, whereas Jack seems to be more proactive. He's I guess you could say he's keeping busy. This is all to yeah. do with the loss of their child. I mean, I I think Jack is suffering as well, but I just think they're both dealing with it in very different ways. Oh, I think and I think Jack is. I think he's trying to put it to the back of his mind. Mm. And you see, as as the book goes on, you know, he starts to think of Faina as his daughter. Things start to come back to him. I think, yeah. Yeah, and I I think part of the problem for Mabel is she's kind of trapped by her role as a woman. Now, I mean, we in in theory. The book is set around 1920. I think mm. we both felt that it, it it felt a lot older to us. Yes, it says on the back of the book, um, November 1920. Now, I listened to the audiobook, and I think on the hardback it doesn't actually say that. So we were saying before that we both felt that it felt a lot earlier than that. Mm-hmm. I kind of imagined it was sort of the first homesteaders in America, that, that sort of time yeah, period. Uh, yeah, actually. it very yeah. much has that feeling. And I think, in a way, Mabel is kind of trapped by that that she has ended up taking on this very sort of passive traditional mm. homemaker type role and it, in fact it was it was her idea to move out to yeah. Alaska to to kind of upstick so completely and go somewhere completely new i think the idea being that it would be such a challenge it would be such a different sort of experience that it would take them out of themselves and it would be a new start but in fact it hasn't worked out like that because it's i think it's a lot harsher than you know we we sort of mm. to understand it's a lot harsher than what she expected um, but also jack is kind of doing all the all the manual mm. labor and she is essentially stuck in the cabin um, just doing kind of cooking and cleaning and that kind of thing. Um, she's from quite an educated background. She's used to being in a house full of books. Um, she's used to being able to have have a lot of society, if you see what I mean, you know, to mm. go and, and discuss things yeah. with people. And so, and so she's lost that whole social aspect of her life. And she's been almost very much reduced. So I think in a, in a way it's kind of backfired. And I certainly read it as that has actually made her situation worse rather than better. That in the past, at least she had those releases and that kind of support network around her. Whereas now she's really just isolated. And I think this is their, their second go at winter. They've been there about a year. And Mabel is just dreading it because it's going to be so dark and so cold and she knows how hard it's going to be. They haven't got far enough in terms of their planting mm. and so on and so on. So she's really, really very worried about what's going to happen from that perspective. Then, you know, she's got no one to talk to. She's got nothing to distract her now. And so, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think, you know, what she did at the beginning was a suicide attempt in, in that sense. It wasn't a kind of active decision. I'm going to try and kill myself. But it's just that she wouldn't have necessarily minded if that had been the result of yeah. what she'd done. So, I, I mean, personally, I think it's an absolutely astonishing portrayal of mental illness, mm. of that state of just sort of desperation, where you 
just don't know what to do you know you've run out of options and your only choice is just to kind of keep going in that aimless way but then i know you found that quite hard to read as you find that really frustrating well i was uh, certainly at the start of the book um when it opens i thought to myself oh blimey am i going to be sort of stuck with mabel this entire time Mm. but the book does alternate between i think mabel and jack almost every other time Mm. um i did sort of think to myself especially when you meet esther which is uh, yeah. Esther and George are their neighbours. Well, it's, it's close to neighbours as, as they what they've get, got, yeah. yeah. And Esther has basically taken this challenge you know, by the horns. She's very gung-ho. Um, she wears trousers, <laughs> which Mabel finds herself quite shocking. And um, I found Esther really fun, you know, quite mm. good to be around. Well, I think she's deliberately supposed to be a contrast mm. to Mabel, contrast, isn't she? Yeah. So when Jack does hurt himself quite badly, um, he hurts his back and Mabel has to go out there and, well, plough the fields with the help of the others. Mm-hmm. I finally thought to myself, you know, yes, finally, she's sort of snapped out of it. But mm. I don't know, I, I softened to Mabel as the book went on. Once mm. you, re- I think once you realise quite where they are on the situation and, you know, the loss of their yeah, child. Yeah, I think at the beginning it's not clear why no. Mabel... Mabel is so distraught and obviously as the book goes on it it reveals how traumatic the the death of their child was and actually they were both incredibly upset but as you would be Mm. but as I said they they deal with it in different ways but I think you know there's various issues there that because Jack kind of took the baby away and buried the baby and so on Um, Mabel doesn't really get a chance to say goodbye she doesn't really get any closure which probably was quite authentic to the way that she would have been treated at the time. But obviously nowadays we would never treat a, mm. a you know, a, a new mother like that if they lost their baby. So I don't know. I think I was probably, I was probably willing to give her a bit more leeway than you were, but I, I'm, I'm not sure why. I, I don't know. I just, I kind of went with it. For me, it was yeah. more at the start that I just found a really, quite irritating and i wanted her to mm. get her act together but then i wasn't quite sure what she was getting her act together from if you see what i mean yeah and especially yeah. that then just multiplied as soon as you met esther yeah because then you've got an example of this is how this is someone doing yeah. it right in a way yeah. you know this is what you should be doing but then obviously esther hasn't had those traumatic experiences no and esther hasn't come from a very privileged educated background into something which is a complete contrast well that was part of the problem because you realize that it's their choice to be out there this yeah. is um, jack and mabel so why isn't Mabel mucking in almost? I don't mm. know. And then, yeah, you do realise quite what's going on. But at the start, I really was thinking to myself, oh, right, okay. <laughs> uh, and I found myself, I like Jack more. Yeah, I don't know. I actually got a bit frustrated with Jack because I thought oh, right. he was being really unsympathetic. But, I mean, I guess, again, I mean, you know, we're coming at it from mm. 2012, yeah. whereas this is, you know, nearly 100 years ago, and we felt longer than 100 mm. years ago. And... I I would have expected that he would be more caring towards her and try to make sure she was okay. But then again, well, she you was know, being left on her own almost yes. all day long, and he yeah. was, I mean, Jack was doing what had to be done, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of. But there's that moment when he tries to get the the is it the Bensons yeah uh, to come over, and she was acts all a bit odd about it. Yeah, but then I guess you know that's she's, when I sort of thought to myself, house proud. She doesn't yeah. want to feel like she's doing. You know, she doesn't mm. really know what's expected of her in that situation. So for me, that was the moment when I thought to myself, oh, if she was quite lonely, she'd be quite happy with that. But then I realised that's when something else is going on yeah yeah it's not just about being lonely and isolated that there's another problem here Mm. that she's dealing with apart from that 
I think the way the way um, AO and Ivy reveals this, mm. it's the slow drip feed sort of. Yeah, almost, yeah. Sort of, and I thought I, I quite like that. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of the way the narrative is told, I thought it was done really well, actually. That you get a variety of viewpoints, but it's not overwhelming. You don't mm. feel like you're jumping too much. And I mean, there were there were other little kind of narrative devices that I really liked. For example, did you notice that? Fiena never talks in speech marks. I listened to it. I wouldn't know. No, but <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. I didn't I didn't know if you'd yeah. read any of it or not. No. But yeah, when when she writes Fiena, that that's the the snow mm. child, the girl, her speech is never written in speech marks. Oh right. Which adds to this mystery, because I know you felt that it was resolved as to whether Fiena was a, a kind of magical creature or just a, a normal girl See, who happens to be yeah, out there. Now, now you sort of say that for for a long while that and even Esther says this, they they do think that it's uh, cabin fever. Yeah. That es- uh, that um, Jack and Mabel are hallucinating. Well, certainly or Mabel. Certainly I think Mabel. The, the implication yeah. is that Mabel's kind of hysterical. Yeah. You know, a kind of hysterical woman. So I can imagine how if she doesn't talk in speech marks, then you're n- you're never even sure. the reader isn't quite sure. Yeah. Now I I did listen to the audio book, so that was never certainly never ex- mm. I don't know how you would explain that but uh, no. I felt towards the midpoint once they've met Faina and they they Jack finds her dead father and that mm-hmm. she's living out on her own I thought at that point that it was almost certainly resolved yeah. that she wasn't she was the, real the snow child. there we go sorted yeah. And for me, that was a problem. I felt that the middle bit dipped. Yeah. Now you've just said that, <laughs> so I didn't realise. <laughs> it, does, it does give it a different spin. That I would think... give you... Now we're getting into the terms of not not unreliable related, re- narrators, because it's not first person, but mm. I would have this little doubt in the back of my mind. Yeah. And yeah. I think I always had that right the way throughout the book, even when she'd come into that, because she doesn't even come into their cabin for quite a while. No. She's not even willing to do that. And then when she does, she gets... She gets hot, so hot easily. because, but, yeah. well, because she's used to living outdoors yeah. all the time. She's wearing thin but clothing. Then you think she's a snow child. She's starting to melt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So you've had all this kind of is she, isn't she, sort of thing, and it appears to be resolved that oh, she's the daughter of this trapper who Jack finds. Mm. But then again, when Jack finds the trapper, he doesn't find any evidence in the cave of Fiona living there. No, there's pictures of another woman. There, yeah, the, yeah, the trapper has yeah. like a photo which seems to be him and his family. Fine could be fine yeah. as mum and fine when she was smaller. And there's kind of bits, you know, his kind of bits and bobs, his equipment from trapping animals. But there's no evidence that Faina is using that as where she lives. And also when he goes into town and asks about him, there's no mention of him, the trapper, having a daughter. No. So the, so it's Jack's theory, and it seems like a reasonable theory, mm. but it's never quite 100% yeah. certain. There is there is that little gap, that, that little kind of unexplained, you know, even if it's so like 5% or mm. something, there is that tiny bit of uncertainty. And then, you know, there's other things as well, like how can she manage to find her way through the forest so easily mm. yeah. when Jack can't? And even Garrett, that's um, George and Esther's son, even he who is, he's learning to be a trapper himself and he knows the forest like the back of his hand, even he gets lost. Yeah. Uh, things like she's so light when she runs across the snow that she doesn't seem to sink in. The fact that she can see things which no one else can see, like there's a, an absolutely beautiful scene where she sends up a whole cloud of of these birds which Garrett hadn't even noticed was there and she can find these things and it it seems so 
amazing that she can do that so efficiently that you know he with all his skill and all his knowledge of the woods couldn't do that and hadn't even seen those birds until she disturbed them i suppose when i thought it was resolved Mm -hmm. so to speak we thought it was resolved in the book that the reasons for that was because i'd say the majority of the book mabel and jack narrate or it's their viewpoints yeah so you still you're still seeing her through their eyes where they do for a long long lot longer than we do let's Mm. say think she's still the snow child so when jack says that she mabel particularly yeah when when it says that she does very lightly across the snow well i'm kind of seeing that through mabel's eyes so Mm. that's sort of what she wants to see yeah but then garrett's the is is that right garrett's the first person to see her other than jack and mabel yes that's when he sees her before and that's with that strange scenario with the swan yes that's when you that's when it started to become Mm. less resolved so to speak yeah because i mean i think that scene is a very sort of strange not weird strange but as in sort of strange meaning that you you see it in a very different way mm. you know it, yeah. it comes back out of reality into something much more kind of fairy tale and much more symbolic uh, i think that the book is kind of effectively in three sections and mm. uh, the first section is where mabel and jack uh, first kind of have the knowledge of Fiona that she's out there and they gradually start to get to know her. The, the middle section is kind of the main event is Jack's illness and then Fiona becomes much more like their daughter. She starts to integrate into their family but still no one else has seen her. And then Garrett sees her and then there's this kind of relationship that very tentatively starts to develop between Garrett and Fiona. And he's sees this kind of astonishing sight where she basically kills a wild swan and it's i i don't know i find it i found it really magical really quite astonishing oh, i did i wasn't quite sure what that well, she what was she was, was like this kind of wild creature almost mm. that she was as much of a, a predator as the the wolverines and the yeah. the, the other creatures that that he hunts and then late i kept thinking about sort of that moment because when the uh, garrett and Fiona do get married Mm. and she keeps her wedding dress hidden from everyone and then she's got these swan feathers swan's feathers well you want you do wonder where they come from as well so yeah yeah and i mean it it made me think of of like swan lake where Mm. you've got the you know again this danger of having a relationship with something that you don't really know and is it going to leave you and hurt you and so garrett almost takes on the other role rather than it being faena who could get hurt is it garrett who's now going to get hurt because she's such an unknown quantity when we've met her before she's sort of sweet and delicate and we're worried about her getting hurt and even melting in the cabin and all this kind of thing and you know mabel makes her beautiful clothes and you know they're all really sweet and and yet she she's like this kind of elemental force it's a real contrast between the the view that we've had from jack and mabel and and now what Mm. she's like i mean we should say this isn't just happening over one winter this is happening over a number of winters oh yes because i mean they, they grow up she Fiena does g- go off on her own in the summer. Fine is what six or seven, something. Yeah, she's she, quite she, little. And then at the end, she's eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. I think. and Garrett's a, a little bit older, but yeah, yeah. You do watch them grow up together. Yeah, and she's you know still even though in theory we we you know we've met her so many times, she still has the power to to sort of surprise. It was shock even. Mm. I, you know, I certainly wasn't expecting that scene. One thing I really liked about the book was the description of the landscapes. 
I mean, we both said we didn't quite know when the book was set, but it certainly mm. felt very timeless. Certainly, it was certainly very beautifully described, this sort of yeah. harsh, oppressive, during winter, certainly, this sort of white canvas, so to speak. But then I think also it's it's also like a, a sort of presence in itself that nature and the way that we view it, I think, changes over mm. the course of the book with the way that Jack and Mabel's view of it changes. And I think although we go to other characters' viewpoints later, I think it's still very much their relationship with the world that they're living in that we kind of fall in with. At the start, it's very oppressive. They're not sure they're going to make it through winter. Jack talks about he might have to go off to the mine, mm-hmm. um, which is seen, a, which is a real mm. kind of a very scary um, proposition. Compared, you know, I, I think a lot of the book is about the importance of, of freedom, space, mm. being outdoors, to go underground into the darkness. Mm. Into, but you know, I think that's you know, it's kind of uh, you know, literally unpleasant, but symbolically, I think very bad, very, very yeah. um, sort of scary proposition for the character. I think that's probably why Faina and Garrett are, are drawn together because mm. Faina essentially lives outdoors. Garrett sees it as, as a place of adventure. He, he loves going outdoors for his trapping and yeah. his hunting. And I, I don't know. I think Jack and Mabel's um, relationship with nature changes a lot over the course of the book. That you know, as you said at the beginning, we've got Jack kind of fighting it, trying to get everything sewn into, and kind you know, fighting a losing battle effectively. And then again, when he gets injured, you know, they're they're kind of fighting against it. You know playing for time to try and get their crops in the ground and so on and Mabel is trapped indoors it's dark it's cold and so on but then I think they start to appreciate that there can be a beauty in mm. winter yeah especially because of Faina you know that she's she's effectively winter's gift to them so they they stop thinking of winter as just a, a completely negative thing and they start realizing that it can be wonderful as well and certainly you know in where spring is described and spring and summertime in a way uh, Mabel actually doesn't want spring to arrive in the end because because it means she's she's worried that she's going to lose Faina forever when spring arrives and luckily that doesn't happen and that that whole idea that you know as a farmer you're waiting for winter to go Mm. but then they don't no it kind of flips it around completely until uh, by the end of the book it's much more kind of symbiotic that they've learned how to work with nature. And I Mm. think George and Esther help with that as well, that because they're much more kind of practical, you know, they're much more matter of fact about it. They don't see it as something bad in itself. They just do what they need to do and they know how to prepare for it. They don't kind of get worried too worried about it in advance. They just get on with what they need to do. And I think that starts to kind of rub off on Mabel and Mm. Jack as well, that, they don't necessarily take it as a bad thing in itself and they just they kind of get into the routine of what they need to do they're much better prepared so they it doesn't continue to be this kind of fight against nature and then i mean also like we were saying about the swan and so on there are all these really magical natural experiences that they have as well the wonderful creatures that are described like faena's fox Mm. i think is so beautifully described (laughs) it's really lovely lovely creature and really sort of elegant and playful but also dangerous as well Mm. and i I, that's the other thing that i really liked particularly about the wildlife 
that Eowyn doesn't imply that nature is always lovely. Well, certainly the bit with the moose. Yeah. Jack kills the moose. I mean, it's a pretty... He doesn't really want to do it, I don't think. Mm. But he finds this absolute beast yeah. in front of him. And he does kill it, but he realises that, you know, nature can provide in other ways that I don't think he'd possibly realised. I don't yeah. think he'd gone hunting before. No, and I, you know, I think this is part of their kind of initiation into mm. the way that they're going to have to live that they can't just see it as a fight against nature that they have to think of what nature provides as well in which sense it's a very kind of ecologically positive <laughs> book <laughs> yeah. you know um i don't think georgia mabel would have been in favor of climate change no no they certainly <laughs> don't like it when um the car arrives when the sun brings yeah, the car. Yeah, it's quite a, 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 funny a sort of harsh that, yeah. interruption to their life, isn't it? It's quite interesting, this, actually. This sort of machinery that arrives. And, of course, nowadays, farmers, you think of machinery and yeah. tractors and all sorts of things. But, yeah, I found that quite interesting, this this alien sort of creature, yeah. mechanical monster arrives. I, I mean, I found it uh, quite an intrusion, actually. Yes, it was interesting that I'd got so into this kind of almost pastoral sort of timeless I suppose the, the, the rifles or the, the hunting guns yeah. are probably the most advanced thing that they've yes. got yeah it's all about axes and knives and yeah and fires. you know pushing the plow yeah. themselves to to mm. get the sort of fields ready and this kind of thing you know literally he's there with his pickaxe with his shovel preparing the soil you know it's it's completely basic technology that they've got you know the the industrial revolution obviously hasn't mm. really reached alaska which i think i think is probably why yeah. it felt so much older than what it actually was to yeah, me it was when only i was when reading the, it when the car arrived did i suddenly realize i got the wrong time frame in my head yeah and, I, and maybe it comes from reading the sisters brothers mm. not so long ago that it, it kind of gave me that impression of that's that's where we were at and, and there's one point where when jack has hurt his back mabel goes into town and there's not even a doctor yeah you know and the, the nearest one is is what 100 miles away or something like that you something know like that, yes you know a lot far too far away for for it to be any use to jack at all because jack can't move basically so i think now's a good time to to talk about the ending there is this uh sort of open-ended question you know yeah was faena a snow child the snow child now as i was as i was going through i told you about the, the middle point where i thought it was all resolved yeah and as it went on i did sort of think to myself well she gets pregnant and her and garrett get married and i and she keeps mm -hmm. running around in the in the snow and i did think to myself you know a bit like mabel almost it's time to accept where you are accept your responsibilities and she's got to settle down yeah with garrett she's a mother now yeah, um, and I th Jack certainly wants her to do yes, that. Although, yes. interestingly, Mabel doesn't as much. Mm. Well, I thought Mabel still believes, so to yeah. speak, but I thought it was all nicely wrapped up and yeah. resolved. Um, so at the end, you're not sure whether she has died or mm. whether she's just basically abandoned them and left. Yeah, I think we need... I think we need to explain a little mm. more. So basically, they they do get married, and as we've said, she has this amazing dress which has been mm. um, covered in these white swan's feathers, and she's already pregnant at the time. And they've started to build a cabin, but they haven't put the roof on. But they decide they're going to spend the night in the cabin anyway, and um, so they they sort of have this scene where they they cover up the bed with lots of blankets. But it seems that perhaps she's getting too hot or perhaps it's that the baby's coming you're not quite sure exactly what's going on and then it becomes clear that that the baby's coming and it it all becomes a bit muddled which i guess reflects the, the kind of panic because she's obviously not very well um they deliver the baby and then they 
they start to kind of cool her down actually and mabel is you know thinks oh snow that's what she needs and tries to kind of cool her down but then yeah it's it's left a bit open-ended it it stops and then we restart again with george mabel uh sorry george esther jack and mabel and a little boy she also leaves behind clothes just a bit like the mittens and the scarves that sort of left so you're not quite sure. Wait, you're not quite sure where she's gone. Yeah. She and melted it's, away. It's or, reminiscent yeah. as well oh. of the the fairy story, where essentially the the parents are kind of taught a lesson because they they have this sort of ransom where they they're told that they have to kind of give her up, and instead mm. they they sort of or, or they they have to give a hen or something mm. and then they they play a trick and because they don't give something up then they don't get to keep the snow child sort of thing and it, esther is all you know not esther mabel is always sort of has this in the back of her mind so it, it kind of brings us mm. back to the fairy tale where frost you know mr frost and mrs snow take back their child and you do wonder if this is finally what's actually happened but well, the, but well, then there's the baby isn't there yeah. there's there's baby jack hmm. well i'll say i'm about i was at the time when i read it i was about 95 percent sure she was real yeah and that she had just swanned off so to speak yeah she's just gone off again because she didn't want to accept her responsibilities you know she didn't want to settle down she wanted to be free probably find another fox Mm -hmm. (laughs) all sorts so what about you i think she died and she melted away or i don't know about that but i think she died where was the body i don't know it's magical it's a fairy tale yeah yeah that's that's what i Mm -hmm. actually came to in the end because i just found the ending so sad Mm. it it actually makes me a bit it's ridiculous (laughs) actually makes me a bit emotional just thinking about it because just before we started um recording i was sort of looking again at the back of the book because it's got it's got the um arthur ransom uh version of the fairy tale in it and just just at the end there are these two chapters one where it's the the grandparents and little jack and then garrett's back again and then it basically ends with little jack looking out the window and it's snowing mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just so sad i don't yeah it just made me feel like actually she was never coming back i don't mm. know i don't know why but i i well i guess it's because that's what happens in the fairy tale mm. i think I, I thought she might come back one day and there's certainly the implication that because it's about to snow she might do yeah but well, i guess it was because yeah. i think the reason why i thought she wasn't was because it was little jack who was getting excited about the snow and oh the others hadn't the yeah others weren't hoping. the others hadn't mentioned it and yeah. it was the little boy who was getting excited and so it was this sort of bittersweet thing where in the past you know it would have been mabel who was thrilled because it was snowing yes it would have been yeah and it's it's the little boy and and he's the kind of thing that they've been left with as the you know the, the bit of her that they get to keep i might be wrong maybe i don't know it's not resolved certainly no, at the end it's left open yeah you may have your own theory <laughs> well we've certainly read into it different ways mm-hmm. i do think it was a good book I, I think you liked it more than me yeah i mean i i guess it's fairy tales are something that i've I'm very interested in from a kind of literary (laughs) analytical point of view. I think they're really fascinating and it's something where I I already knew the story of the snow child. Oh, see, I I didn't, I'd never really heard of it before. No. Yeah. So I guess it's something I was already aware of and I just thought it was so beautifully written. It was. Yeah. And yeah, I think the, the bits that perhaps spoiled it for you a little bit were things that for whatever reason I was more willing to, 
to forgive i think hmm. i don't Maybe. i don't know why but yeah but yeah they're just things that i mean like you know for example with mabel i just think i sympathized with her so much i've just really really felt for her well it took me a long while once you realize i think yeah you know but um she wasn't as annoying as i found her at the start <laughs> yeah no and i it's interesting as well the the way that we had different interpretations of faena because i i'd read it and you'd listen to it mm. i don't know i did i did sort of catch a couple of bits of the the audio book that you were listening to i don't think i could have listened to that woman narrating that story she her voice just wound me up oh it didn't it didn't mind me um it was an american narrator which which seemed well, fine yeah, it's it was fine. um predominantly a, well she was a female so yeah. i'm sure when they were casting the audio book that these sort of decisions must be made somewhere oh they, yeah, yeah they probably are they mm. probably are i don't know her voice just annoyed me no I, I kind of got used <laughs> so, to it yeah yeah so that's it for our, our most recent book plate books book club read our next uh, book club book is going to be the song of achilles by uh, madeline miller and we're discussing that at the beginning of december so you should have that discussion on the podcast shortly afterwards if you want to get in touch and tell us what you thought of the snow child if you've already read it or if you've even got some suggestions of what we, we might like to read for our book club in the future then there are multiple ways in which you can get in touch uh, we've got our email address um, contact at adventureswithwords.com you can go to the website itself adventureswithwords.com uh, you can like our page on Facebook you can find us on Twitter we're at Word Adventures and uh, we've also got our discussion group on Goodreads where we're trying to keep up with all the various bits and bobs we're reading and then you can also see um, some of our reviews posted up there as well I've been Rob I've been Kate and thanks for listening Adventures with Words is brought to you by Audible Try Audible free for 30 days and download any audiobook for free. For your free trial, go to www.adventureswithwords.com forward slash audible.